Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rodrigo, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player, uh, LPJ professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you today? It is a wonderful Tuesday morning because we are here once again uh, this week on the Women of Golf Show, and we're excited. We've got a great show coming up for everybody. Um, we're going to be talking to our special guest in a little bit, uh, Ashanta Epps. She's the CEO and founder of A Perfect Swing, uh, and she's also an LPJ professional as well. And uh, she's going to be joining us a little bit later. And then if we have enough time, which we should, we are going to enter you and I into the no BS zone once again. Uh, and we're going to talk about the beginner's guide, talk a little bit about if you're new to golf, some of the things. Uh, we've got some tips here lined up for you, so we'll try to get through as many of those as we can today as well. Um, but uh, let's get an update from you, Cindy. How are things? How was your, your first step or first stage, if you will, with the juniors last week uh, at your boot camp, boot camp Excuse me, down in Orlando? You know what? We had two great camps. We did a junior camp with nine kids uh, the first four days, and then we did an adult camp for another four days with eight adults, and um, the weather was great except for one day when it was like 40 degrees chill factor. And all the people were from the north or from Seattle, anywhere from Seattle to Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. So um, everybody was kind of used to it being cold, but I got to tell you, it was so cold. And and they did the full day. (laughs) They did their 10 hours, and Alan and I were freezing our butts off. But everybody got better. Um, They all learned about themselves, and it was awesome. So I'm glad to be home. It's kind of nice out here. Um. It's it's really strange. We've had a great winter in Buffalo. It has not been as bad as it normally is, which is odd. Yeah, Buffalo. So right, being from yeah, being myself from Canada and very close to the border, I can attest to how how severe it can be in Buffalo. So yeah, it's unusual, and it's both good and bad, really. Um, you know, it, it's good in in some ways because you can get around a little bit easier, but it's probably not good. Um, locally, because believe it or not, all that snow and, and whatnot has a purpose, but, um, you know, and the cold temperatures, but uh, anyways, uh, we'll take it when we can get it. And it's been kind of unusual here in, in where I am in Northwest Florida. We've had quite a bit of rain here the last several weeks. It's almost like, you know, April's come early, if you will. So uh, it's been a little bit of spotty weather and then it kind of jumps up to the seventies and then dips back down into the, to the fifties and forties and whatnot. So it's been kind of unusual here as well. But um, anyways, we're glad to be here, and I'm glad you had a successful boot camp uh, down in uh, Orlando at Orange County National. I've been following your 
social media posts and looked like you had some good groups there. So I'm glad uh, everything was a success. All right, we're going to talk about, Cindy, I know you mentioned uh, to me that you want to talk a little bit about Mickey Wright. Of course, Mickey Wright was a uh, legend of the game, and she passed away just a few days ago, February 17th. And it's kind of interesting. She was born uh, February 14th and passed away um, 85 years later on the 17th of February, so very close to the date that she was born. Um, What do you want to talk about a little bit, and we'll cover some of her highlights of her career. Well, here's what I find strange. As a, as a certified behavior analyst, the two best golf swings that, have, that arguably almost anyone with any expertise in the game of golf would tell you were Mickey Wright and Ben Hogan. And I, right. and I got a call on Friday from Steve Eubanks while we were at boot camp, and I thought, why is he calling me? And I called him back because I missed the ring, and I was doing the camp, and I said, did you mean to call me? And he said, yeah. He said, I'm working for the LPGA now. I'm director of content, and he said, we want to keep Mickey's memory alive. And I've got a few quotes from some former players and wondered if you would write this article, and I need it by Sunday. And why was her swing so amazing? So I thought, okay, I will. And I said, well, can Alan help me? Because I'm married to a guy who played on tour for 15 years, who's the second purest ball striker Dave Pels has ever tested. So Alan is, I call him my little nerd, who who knows. Um, he does research. He's really smart. You know, I'm like, you go figure it out and then tell me what to do. So right. long story short, we we did some comparison, and we used the Huddle Technique app, H-U-D-L, Huddle Golf Technique. App. So he found swings, we uploaded the swings, and, and we looked at the, the positions that are really important. And that's mm-hmm. on the way down, do they have any leg? Are they delaying the angle of attack? Is the club head behind the hands? And then coming through the ball, and amazingly, we stop action their swings, and they look exactly the same. And the fact wow. that they look so much alike, number one, was amazing. And number two, what, what we teach, <laughs> so there's a lot of different theories on the golf swing. And, it, and for our listeners out there, you know, if you've taken golf lessons from lots of different people, you will find that. You will hear one person say, keep your body still, and the other person say, oh, no, you've got to move your body. So now you get confused and there's chaos going on in your brain, you're not sure what you're supposed to do. So now there's no courage to hit the ball, and there's no consistency because there's a cluster going on in your head, right? So what I – and I can't stand that because I was one of those people. Like, wait, what do you want me to do? You want me to do this? Oh, now you want me to do that? Now I'm so confused I don't know what I'm doing. Therefore, you can't hit the ball. (laughs) When it's really not your swing, it's your mind because you're not – committed to a certain task. So simplifying that, if you keep your body still, which Titleist Performance Institute would tell you, then you can definitely stay in position longer, which is going to keep you behind the ball, which is going to make you hit it higher and dead straight and long on purpose. So why would you not do that? So Again, we, you and I don't discuss theory much here, but I just found it so odd that Steve would call and say, will you write this article? And I'm like, oh, 
really? I got all these people I'm teaching. I don't know if I have time. You know, he texted me Sunday at 430. I'm like, I just got done with this camp. Give me a break, pal. I, I need some time here. So, right. um, but we ended up doing it. I'm like, wait, Alan, upload the videos, do this. We wrote the lines. Then Steve texted me yesterday, got off the plane. He's like, I need better pictures. I'm like, now you're really killing me. But it all got done. Right. So if you are listening and you would like a copy of the article, send me an email, cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and I will send you the link to the article with the pictures that will explain exactly what you need to do. Now, let's go back to the behavior style. I find it amazing that both of these people were introverts and shunned the mm -hmm. spotlight. So a lot of people don't even know Mickey Wright existed because she quit playing right. full time when she was 34 and mm -hmm. she could have won a lot more tournaments, but didn't because she's like, I've had enough. And it's kind of like Annika and it's kind of like Lorena and it's, mm -hmm. and Suzanne Pedersen. And it's like, okay, I'm done. This is really hard being out there full time. And, and Alan Miller, Ben Hogan and Mickey Wright would just as soon practice and look for perfection than go play in a match or in a tournament. Whereas I, I don't want to hit balls. I want to go play. So right. I just find it very odd that the two best golf swings that have ever been created were owned by introverts who shunned the spotlight, who were looking for perfection. Well, so and, and you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, when you look at it, it's something different. I'm going to just digress a little bit and go a, a little bit off in left field. But it's the same thing in acting. You know, if you look at some of the best actors and actresses, most of them or certainly many of them were also introverts. And they were able to, once they got on the stage, I mean, I, I can remember interviews over the years of, of I mean, there's so many to, to mention, but a number of, of actors and actresses that said the very same thing that, you know, to talk to them in an interview and so forth, certainly they would put their game face on, if you will, but they were very quiet um, outside of their craft. But once that, you know, the, the curtain came back or the, you know, the, the camera started rolling, they were able to morph into, you know, a fantastic individual. And I want to point something out because it's something that you said, you know, she didn't play very long. Here's some interesting stats. She turned professional in 54, joined the LPJ in 55. I'm talking about Mickey again. And she retired in 1969. So 15 years she was out in tour. She had 82 wins on the LPJ tour, oh including thir 13 major championships. She had 90 professional wins altogether. So eight of them were others. And I'm assuming probably uh, overseas, maybe European and whatnot. Uh, I didn't actually uh, click to look at it, but so she's had a total of professional wins in 15 years of being a professional golfer and 13 of them were majors. And here's some of the majors that she had. Um, some of the names of course are, are different than what they might be today, but uh, uh, she won the 62, 63 and 66 Western open uh, the title holder holders championship. She won in 61 and 62 uh, the Women's PGA Championship, she won 58, 60, 61, and 63. So she dominated uh, almost consecutively. The U.S. Women's Open, 58, 59, 61, and 64. 
she was also inducted into the, in 1976 into the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, she was a money winner on the LPGA Tour, uh, 61, 62, 63, 64, so four years in a row, and won the LPGA's VAR Trophy in 60, 61, 62, 63, 64 again. Uh, uh, Bobby Jones in 2010 and the PGA of America Hall of Fame in 2017. So, I mean, wow, what an accomplishment. And, and it goes to the point you made, can you imagine if she had have continued to play beyond the 15 years she did? Right. That's unheard of. Right. And this is coming, from, as you pointed out, an introvert. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, you know, and and it's just it's it's amazing, and it, you know, and and uh, as I said, she she passed away just a few days ago on the seventeenth in her home in uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. She's originally uh, was born in San Diego, California, so she was a West Coast, but ended up uh, coming to the East Coast, and um, you know, attended uh, Stanford University. Uh, you know, she was just a, an incredible athlete, and just to win that much. And I think if I'm not, yeah, I was just about to say Kathy Whitworth is the only one that's actually won uh, more than her on the LPGA with 88 uh, wins. So um, not bad, I would say, right? Right. Amazing. Amazing. So, again, if you're interested in seeing the article, email me, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. I'll send you the link. It's on the LPGA website on the front page with a picture of Mickey uh, Wright, but I don't know how long it's going to stay there. So I'm sure they're recircling all kinds of uh, content, so it may not be there too long. Right. Uh, well, I will definitely um, take a look at that. I think it's uh, it's great. Um, very sad to obviously lose uh, what I would consider to be certainly an ambassador of the game. She uh, went out there and, and I mean, I, I can't even wrap my mind around uh, the wins that she had, but to, um, to have really a, a full life like that and, and just to do something that obviously that she enjoyed um, and, and, and just to really dominate. I mean, you know, just some of the stats that I read, I mean, she, you know, won back to back to back to back several uh, different events, including many majors. So she obviously was a dominating force for the, for the time that she was out there. So, uh, you know, in, in some ways it was probably good that she did retire because I'm sure some of the other players out there were kind of saying, well, wait, where, where's my chance? You know, um, it's, it's right. tough when you've got a dominant player. You know, yeah, what's, I mean, true. I mean, it was the same thing when Tiger came out. You know, a lot of people sort of pushed that off in the beginning, but then when he started racking up the wins, uh, and Annika was the same way when she came out, I mean, you know, you got to be scratching your head and say, good God, what do I got to do to win a tournament here? You know, it's hard to, and, 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 and I'm sure in her day, um, you know, you don't hear about it as much, but I'm sure in her day, she was an intimidating factor. She was an intimidating player to, to win that many tournaments in such a short period of time. She had to have been an intimidating player to play with. You know, if you got into her group, you were probably, your knees were probably knocking a little bit and your, your hands were shaking a little bit thinking, what do I got to do to, to, you know, to mount a charge against uh, Mickey Wright? So, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. A, a legend lost, but not forgotten. And uh, that was a, a, a great thing to share. And, and I'm looking forward to, to reading the article. 
Um, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined here in just a few moments uh, by Ashanta Epps, and I'll tell you a little bit about her, and then when she comes on, Cindy will just bring her on uh, for, for the sake of time. Uh, Ashanta is the CEO and founder of A Perfect Swing. Uh, their mission is to help individuals use golf as a networking tool to advance uh, in their career. Uh, she is also a golf teaching professional with the LPGA. Uh, she uses strategic personal brand management. Uh, she's established a perfect swing as a footprint in the golf and networking arena. Uh, she is also an inductee into the African-American Golfers Hall of Fame and has been recognized nationally as uh, an outstanding leader in golf by the African-American Golfers Digest. Uh, she's won countless local and national golf competitions. Uh, she took the longest drive at Lowe's Honors in the Black Enterprise Golf and Tennis Challenge uh, two years in a row at the PGA National Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. So a uh, very uh, accomplished uh, young lady, and I see that she's ready. So, uh, Cindy, let's welcome Ashanta Epps. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. You know what you forgot to say? I, and here's the cool part. She's a big deal, and she used to work at Microsoft, and she knows what she's doing, and I can't wait for her to help teach me how to use all these apps. So good morning, dear. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome back. Thanks. And we're – yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit about that uh, Microsoft background as well. So that would be a good place to start. Tell us a little bit about you. You obviously are, are in the golf industry now, but uh, what were you doing with, uh, with Microsoft? Yes. And so actually I am still currently a Microsoft employee. So um, I work in the IT service management team or modern service management team, and we focus on cybersecurity for Microsoft cloud products, so be it Azure, Office 365. And um, Cindy is referring to Teams in the Office 365 suite of products. The mm -hmm. thing that probably is different for me than, you know, probably I guess, 95% of the other um, Ladies Professional Golf Association members is that I started playing golf in the corporate environment for uh, managerial reasons, um, being a part of the conversation, um, understanding that uh, there is value in uh, joining the club <laughs> so that you can hear right. those conversations about what's going on. And that's how it started. Um, I have a bachelor and a master's in computer science, and IT and technology has been the basis of my life uh, since my uh, career started after college. So, yep. Very good. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So tell us what you do. Again, I'm intrigued by this, that you, you're multi-talented in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But tell us what you do with Microsoft now and how you complement that with being an LPGA professional. Absolutely. So the thing that the, – the same reason that I started playing golf, there are tons of other uh, corporate professionals that are looking – to play golf because of some of those same reasons, um, being a part of the conversation, networking with other business professionals. We all know that they say, hey, you know, deals are made on the course. So whether it's sales or um, getting a new job or finding resources that can help you, that is something that's huge, right? So I meet a lot of business professionals that say, you know, I should play golf. 
for those business reasons. And so the Perfect Swing Golf Association, what we are is we are a group of business professionals that get together, play golf, learn golf, network. So everyone's building their network base. They're building their communication skills. Uh, they're building their leadership skills all for one Oh, for two things. One, an individual cause for them to learn the game of golf, network with others, be able to go network with those individuals in their individual circles that play golf, um, but also to fund the golf, the, um, golf Foundation, which is our 501c3 youth initiative, so that youth can learn the game of golf. All fees that we take in from the Golf Association are the fees that we utilize to fund the foundations. So it's a growing, nurturing environment of business professionals, and as they grow, the funds that we get from them grow our youth so they get to learn the game of golf as well. Awesome. Very good. Um, go ahead, Cindy. You go ahead, um, Ashanta, let me ask you um, something that sort of caught my ear um, that you said a few minutes ago that you wanted to sort of be a part of the conversation. Um, you know, you noticed obviously people uh, in your uh, workplace that were coming back maybe after the weekend, they played some golf and they're, they're talking their, their golf lingo, if you will, and you wanted to be a part of that. Is this a trend that you're starting to see, particularly with women now wanting to be part of that conversation? And do you think that's part of what's driving um, because the stats, you know, don't lie that more and more women are getting into golf more so than any other demographic, and particularly young women. Is is this for the same reasons? Do you think that you did is that they want to create and amplify their networking opportunities, and golf is a great way to do that? Um, I absolutely would say yes. Um, the reality is is that it seems like everyone in corporate America is playing golf, and a lot of our bosses are playing golf. Typically, that's like the Friday golf outing or the company golf tournament outing uh, that you hear the conversations of decisions made or conversations that were had at those particular events. And those are the, those are the type of conversations that, from a business perspective, everyone is looking to be involved with. Um, there's also a natural reality that, Golf is a sport that has, while we want to um, change this, it has an economic divide. There isn't a golf course mm -hmm. on every corner. You need more than just a ball and, and a hoop to play, right, And that it, it takes right. a certain amount of money to participate in the sport. So there are a class of people that are in the sport. <laughs> so so you, you increase your chances of finding someone that can impact your life from a career standpoint or that are decision right. makers in their environment um, on the golf course. So, yes, uh, women, as we move up the ranks uh, from a corporate environment, knowing that those Fridays where it's kind of okay, I'm going to say not to work and play, but it becomes a part of the company culture, so it's a part right. of working and playing at the same time. Yes, we are definitely looking to be in that environment, and more women understand that they want to be a part of those conversations, and it will help their career. And and I find a lot of that. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. I I think you know in your statement, you know again whether it be Friday or another day, but 
you know, seeing the, the, the men at, at various corporations, you know, heading out and, and you're sort of sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, where are all you guys going? Well, we're going to the golf course. Um, right. Well, I want to go. You know, I want to go too. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're we're being stuck here to do all the work while you guys are out playing. Well, the truth is, it, it's not just a matter of playing. They're out there. Um, it's a it's a networking opportunity, and it's a way for them to advance their career. So obviously, this is something that the gals want to do now as well. Um, right. And and, and all, right. And and also too, it, it creates other opportunities. You know, corporate events and things like that. You know, you're not just sitting there taking attendance, or you're not just sitting there you know, behind a desk, handing out the, the, the gifts and so on. You want to actually be a part of the event in capacity. So talk about, because I think this is important, talk about some of the keys to doing business on the golf course, because we're not all running out there with purchase orders, um, you know, at the first tee with clients and things like that. It's not, it's not that kind of doing business on the golf course. So give us just sort of a, a brief overline of really some of the, the benefits and advantages of doing business and how you do business on the golf course. Right. No, and, and so you're absolutely right. There is, there's an art to it. Um, and so real quick, I had someone that actually uh, scheduled to play golf with me once, and they talked business the entire round. And they handed me their resume. I think we were probably on, like, the fourth hole, and I stuck it in my bag. And it wasn't intentional, but literally I did not look at that information again until they called me two weeks later and asked me how I looked at it because I put it in my golf bag. Right. So right. one of the key things is that it's about timing when you provide information. So while you're out playing golf, you want to be relationship building. Right. Um, they're, mm. they're looking to see, one, if you're honest, uh, your mm. temper, you know, <clears throat> even if you're not the best golfer, um, handling the misfortunate hits well are really, really, really important. Um, one right. very, very helpful key I would say is that <clears throat> when it comes to talking, you, you want to have that conversation, but it shouldn't start until after you hold out on the green and while you're going mm-hmm. to the next hole. Because if you're playing with someone that is very, very, very intense, um, after every shot, they're looking and understanding and analyzing what their next shot is going to be. So that's not always the best right. time to talk. Um, but when you hold out, if it's a bad hole or a good hole, you're still looking to release whatever it was from that that particular hole. And if it's good, mm-hmm. take it with you. But if not, you want to forget it. So idle conversation will help them do that, right? Um, but then you should, at the end of the round, you want to in, invite them for a conversation or a drink in the pro shop, whatever the case may be. Um, if they're busy just having a foot a quick five-minute conversation, and then you want to give them your information then. Uh, it is a better chance of them looking at it from the seat of their car as opposed to being stuffed in their golf bag, right? So just just timing it to a point where they'll view your information. Another key that I tell all of my uh, young business professionals that come to me, if you're out playing golf, oftentimes, someone is going to say, you know, if you're looking to make a connection, they're going to say, hey, would you shoot me your resume? Well, if you know you're going to play golf with someone, you need to have an email prepped in your email inbox on your phone. And when you say, hey, okay, so what's your email address? And they give it to you or they hand you their card, you can immediately pull up that open email and put that email address in the to field and send it to them. And you'll be surprised their response 
when they get to the next tee box, because we always check out email on the course, <laughs> right, and they see that they've already gotten your resume, that is impressive because that means you were ready. Yep. Um, and, and it is about, again, timely providing your information to those that you want to get it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think you, you have to be prepared um, really for anything that may happen. I mean, you know, you might be surprised. There could be a very receptive uh, employer that you're playing with that's looking for, you know, some of the talents and, and uh, qualities that you may have, but you don't want to be, you know, like you said, when you're coming around, uh, you know, the uh, fourth tee, uh, you know, with resume in hand and, and uh, a 30-minute conversation or prep uh, prepared and hitting them with when they're about ready to hit their tee shot because um, that, that's just not uh, the way to do it. So, um, Cindy, go ahead. I know you've got some questions or, or uh, comments. What do you say to people who want to learn to play but have never played before? What do you tell them? How much knowledge do they need to have and ability and skill level to go out on the golf course? So, so first, first thing I would tell them to do is, one, take a lesson. <laughs> um, because a lesson will give you the the basic fundamentals. If you're going just to network and understand, a a boot camp is recommended uh, with properly fitted clubs. They don't have to be brand new, but you definitely want to be you want them to be fit for you so that you're not um, developing any bad habits. The second thing I would tell them is. They need to research and learn either on their own or in a, a workshop uh, the basic rules of golf. What I found is that the average golfer is okay with playing with a newbie that maybe they don't hit the ball as well, but they must understand and know the basic rules and etiquette of the game. Um, mm-hmm. And we've also found that there are a lot of golfers whether they're advanced uh, or intermediate, they're still very encouraging for you as you continue to play. So especially if it's, if it's a, a golf outing or a company event, uh, people are very, very, uh, shall I say, comforting and, and become a, a real uh, advocate for you to learn the game of golf. But you have to at least know the basic rules and the etiquette. Another thing I will tell them is that you can't learn it in a day. You can't learn it in a week. Um, you can't – coming out of the, the boot camp, it, the reality is that you have to go practice. So you must practice, and you have to be patient with yourself. If golf was a game where you could, you know, go out and shoot par golf, you know, in a month, everybody would be on the tour, but everyone isn't. Um, so developing and understanding – what your goals are, setting small, short goals, but getting a boot camp or some lessons, the right clubs, learning the rules and etiquette. I think they can go out and play at least nine or 18 in a group company outing uh, and be successful at being a part of the conversation. And, you know, they may luck up and uh, one of their shots are are chosen for the captain's choice. (laughs) You never know, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Ted, go ahead. Right. Well said. And, and yeah, you've got to be prepared and knowing the rules. And and again, you don't have to be an expert on the rules, but having a general understanding, that that is a key point. And, 
And, you know, I've played with many people over the years that were not very good golfers, but they had a general understanding and a competent understanding of those rules. And, you know, they knew that there came up. And, and of course, you know, we weren't necessarily always playing in, in some sort of a corporate event. But, um, you know, when we weren't, and it was just sort of a casual round and you got paired with somebody that wasn't that good of a player. They knew that at some point, hey, I need to pick up the ball and, and keep the pace of play moving. So, um, you know, and, and I was okay with and and obviously being as Cindy is a, a teacher professional, you know, I wouldn't try to, you know, throw my, my input in there unless it was asked for. But, um, you know, you, you have to be willing to take lessons. And, and, um, and, and again, it, it's, it's, as you said, if, if we were all breaking par within a month of taking up the game, we, we'd all be battling it out on, on the golf turf <laughs> right now. So um, that's the cold, hard reality. And, and just to add to your point, you've got to practice, but you've got to practice with a purpose. So you've got to set yourself, you know, some goals, as you suggest, some short-term and long-term goals of what you want. And, and uh, I think once you do that, you'll be well on your way and, and give it time, you know, give it some reasonable time. Nothing, you know, as I say, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, all right, let's move on to um, really uh, our, our final two questions. And the first one is, of course, uh, being Black History Month, uh, there were many pioneers in uh, in the African-American community that contributed to the game of golf. Do you want to talk about uh, maybe a couple of them? Yeah, so so there, there were a lot of great pioneers um, as it pertains to uh, more blacks being engaged in golf. And we, we talk about the you know, Charles Silver, Lee Elders, Renee Powell. Yeah, I, what I think about me from a professional standpoint, as well as a member of the LPGA, um, I think about those organizations that cater to those individuals like me. So me starting off in, in a corporate environment, wanting to learn golf. Um, when we think about Renee Powell and the great things that she's done, um, for the game, which is immeasurable. Uh, what I think is so awesome about her is that she always talks about her awards are not just for her, but it's also about her family. And so we know about mm-hmm. the influence <clears throat> that her father, Bill, has had on uh, the golf industry and their Clearview Golf Club. But one of the things that I think is so awesome is that her mom, she, she, had, she shared a post recently where um, her mom, actually helped start a golf organization, and that golf organization is actually the longest-running ladies' league at a public golf course in Stark County. Um, but even today, Renee Powell, you know, she's the um, she's a golf coach for the Minerva Girls High School golf team. So, so lots of different pieces to the puzzle. And I think when we think about, for me, when I think about some of the issues with golf courses closing um, and other things in those areas, I think I want to share about golf organizations that have influenced minorities playing golf. And why I say that, because I think that it is golf organizations or the average Joe that impact the bottom line for golf courses, right? Because those are the individuals that are paying the green fees, they're buying food in the clubhouses, you know, balls, gloves, getting golf lessons, all of those things, which, which are also business professionals as well. So there are clubs like the Paul Shanter Golf Association, uh, the Greens Golf Club, the DFW Fairway Divas, um, but also the Wake Robin Golf Club. And that is today the organization that is known as the oldest running um, 
African American Women's Golf Association in the United States. They are over 80 years old, and they were instrumental in helping get golf courses desegregated through their efforts with the federal government and the Department of Interior. And it is those types of organizations that feed our golf lessons and revenue into golf pros, as well as revenue into the golf industry in general um, on a day-to-day basis that could potentially save um, some of the golf courses that are are closing today. So definitely want to salute those golf organizations that are encouraging people, definitely women, African-Americans, minorities, business people, business owners, small business owners, those organizations that are gathering individuals together to play golf, understanding the value that it brings to everyone's life, but definitely from a LPGA perspective for me, pushing revenue into the golf industry. Well said. And, um, yeah, we've had Renee actually Powell on the show a couple of times over the years. And, and, you know, Cindy, I think we need to, uh, reminded me actually we need to reach out and and invite her to come back on again and and, uh, get an update of what's new and, and happening in uh, in her neck of the woods, if you will. But um, yeah, she's she's a great um, a, a great uh, woman and has been very very involved in golf for for many years. And um, you know, the, there's others too. I mean, uh, I can think of one particularly. I've had um, the daughter and niece of um, Teddy Rhodes, who was another uh, very early uh, contributor even right. prior to um, you know Lee Elders and and that and and um, you know uh, his daughter Peggy and and um, and of course, her daughter um, Tiffany. Um, I actually met met at the uh, PGA show this year, and they've been a regular guest on on each year for their tournament uh, on my other program, Golf Talk Live at night. And um, you know, they're really trying to to keep his legacy uh, alive. And you know, I mean, he won 150 tournaments, um, you know, in his day. So you know, very accomplished player, and and really helped to get people like Tiger Woods where they are today. Um, you know, if it wasn't for pioneers like uh, Teddy Rhodes and, and Charlie Sifford and, and Lee Elder and others, you know, yep. Calvin Pete and, and many others, you know, we wouldn't have had a Tiger Woods out there on the golf uh, course and obviously the many uh, organizations that you mentioned. So um, there's a lot uh, behind it, uh, a lot of great stories behind it. What do you think, excuse me, pardon me, what do you think, um, um, Ashanta, that society in general, how can we engage uh, more minorities and get them uh, to the sport? Um, I think the, the largest, simplest thing that can be done is just to invite them, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, how simple. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> just make the invite. And invite can be verbal, but they also can be pictorial, right? Um, and, and even – from a woman's perspective, you think about it, if you if you walk into a, a clubhouse and everything has a white male on it, I think that says something mm-hmm. to women, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm How right. simple is this? This is great. So, so yeah. adding people of color simplistically is, is easy, right? So adding people of color to your advertisement, adding people of color to your walls, um, of information to your your brochures that is that says you're invited, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
even when you see them entering your clubhouse, inviting them to be a part of an event as opposed to making the assumption that they, they're probably not interested. Um, one of the things right. that I think hurt an industry overhaul, uh, overall is when you begin to stereotype and make assumptions. You never know what someone is looking for unless you ask them what they're looking for. But also you mm-hmm. never know that someone's interested unless you invite them, right? And it's just about making the invite so that they feel comfortable coming. And I think that's one of the things that prevent a lot of minorities, African-Americans for sure, for, from participating in certain things is because they don't feel welcome. And, and that is a goal that I'll tell you of a perfect swing, especially from that professional standpoint. We want to make them feel comfortable. In the golf industry, if they take an opportunity to just reach out with a simple invite and adding those uh, brown and black faces to their advertisement, that goes a long way. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, you know, Ashanti. You know, when you look at um, today in commercial television, we're seeing so many of uh, or so much of that right now in our everyday ads where you didn't see that, you know, even 10 years ago uh, as much as prominent as you do now. And it becomes more mainstream. Then you start to, as you said, you, you identify with those brands more if, if it's all inclusive. So you're exactly right. I think it's a great analogy. And I think that, you know, for not just golf professionals, we obviously have to do our part, but the golf courses and other parts of the golf industry have to do their part to, again, to reach out and don't just assume that, that a particular uh, group uh, isn't interested in, in becoming part of the game because traditionally maybe they weren't. Um, there obviously is a lot of interest out there now, so I think we have to, again, as a, as a, um, a golf community, have to start reaching out to, to uh, particularly to the minority communities and say, hey, this is a game for everybody, not just, just one segment or, or the other. So I think that's well said. Um, Ashanti, right. we want to thank you, you for joining us. Can I just add one quick thing? Yeah, yeah, sure, it, go ahead. It, and it's also, too, about ha- holding others accountable. So if you, you own a golf facility and you invite um, minorities into your organization, uh, the reality is that there may be others that don't feel the same way that you do. So taking that stand and holding everyone else that, that's around or that's involved accountable, that goes a long mm-hmm. way as well. Yeah, you're, you're right. Well said. Um, we want to thank you first off and foremost for, for joining us this morning and, and sharing your story and, and some great insight. Um, but before we let you go, why don't you let the folks know the best way to reach out to you and how they can learn a little bit more uh, about the perfect swing. Yes, absolutely. So you can reach me and the perfect swing golf organization at a perfect net net. Not.org, <laughs> perfectswing.net. Again, we have youth programs, we have um, adult programs. Uh, so we look to engage everyone, old, young, um, all ethnicities. Everyone is invited to be a part of our golf village. That's how we look at ourselves. And we just look to love, enjoy, and learn the game of golf. So we invite everyone to be a part of that as well. Well said. Awesome. Um, yep. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ashanta, for coming on and sharing that with us this morning. And uh, yep. you are certainly welcome to come back anytime. And uh, we'll even talk a little bit more about Microsoft when you come on, because there's some things I'm sure I could learn as well as Cindy. So 
Um, you're welcome to come back and talk about that. And of course, we've got to mix some golf in there, but thank you very much and you yes. have a great day and uh, much continued success with the perfect swing. Awesome. Thank you both. Appreciate it. it thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. All right. That was Ashanta Epps, uh, CEO and founder of A Perfect Swing. And you can go to aperfectswing.net to find out more about the organization uh, and also uh, all of her contact information is there as well. All right, Cindy, once again, we are entering the no BS zone. <laughs> and <laughs> we gotta, I got to figure out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something here before too long and put it together, have a little intro or some music or something to, to get into this. But uh, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll wing it today. Um, again, we're entering the no BS zone, and it is the beginner's guide. I'm just going to read something out very quickly, and then we'll get into some of the, the, uh, the tips in that. Um, you know, we all know golf uh, may look very simple to someone that is watching it on, on TV, but uh, the truth of the matter is it isn't. Uh, golf is mental, physical, uh, obviously a lot of strategy and patience, as uh, Shanta had mentioned, uh, all working together to, you know, uh, work towards hitting that tiny uh, little white ball. Uh, so even... Uh, if uh, many of you out there are playing golf, uh, some beginner golfs quit too soon because of frustration. And we, uh, you and I, Cindy, can attest to that. Uh, they just give up too easy on themselves. So um, as professionals and as an industry, how can we help? Uh, obviously by uh, over, uh, offering to help them overcome obstacles, such as how to choose the, the best clubs out there, how to hold the club, um, the best way to swing without throwing out your back. That's always a good one and how to increase your skills and specific instructional lessons, so uh, with the lessons rather. Uh, so here's some tips to help you on your way to playing the greatest game on earth. So the first tip I have, and, and again, they're not in any particular order, uh, Cindy, but I just jotted a few down, and this is one that you always, I've heard you many, many times on the show mention, and that is to ask yourself why. So explain a little bit what you mean by that. Well, Again, it is the greatest game on earth, but you have to ask yourself why you're playing because there will be failure. And if you don't know why you're playing, you may not want to continue because there's going to be times when you want to give up and quit. So if you're playing because, uh, example, we had a woman come to boot camp in January who the really the only reason she's playing is because she wants to hang out with her husband. And in the middle of the round, you know, the tears start coming down because she's intimidated. She feels overwhelmed. She's playing with three people, two of which she doesn't really know. She feels like she looks stupid. She's taking too long. She can't get the ball in the air. So it's total overwhelm. Yeah. And what you need to realize is kind of what we just talked about with Ashanta is no one really cares how you play. They care how you mm -hmm. act. So right. if you if you understand why, it will help you deal with the adversity more. So it could be I want to play with my husband. It could be I want to compete. It could be I want to get fresh air. It could be I want exercise. Um, it could be for the personal challenge. So if you understand why, it will help you when you want to give up and you go, well, wait, I'm doing this because, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I got to keep going. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that you you have to have a basic understanding. You know, when I was very, very young, you know, obviously my father played golf, so he introduced me to the game. 
Um, but as I, you know, started to develop and, and, you know, of course I watched golf on TV and I watched, you know, players like Arnold and Jack, of course, that was my era that growing up watching them while they were still in their, their heyday, if you will. And, you know, I had visions. I, you know, I've dreamed of, of battling it out in the masters with them and that sort of thing, but reality set in at some point, And I knew that that was not going to happen for me. Um, and obviously I, I gravitated more to the teaching side because I wanted people to have fun, but um, and, and that's really what it boils down to is, you know, if you're interested in playing and, and you feel that you've got uh, some juice behind you and you want to play competitive golf, then that's, that's a goal that you need to, to, to really uh, focus on. And whether you, you meet all of the goals or not is not really the point. Set them and, and decide. Or if you just want to go out, as, as you suggested, maybe you're a spouse and you want to play with your partner or maybe they've, they've you know, some friends that you know play golf and maybe you and your husband or, or you and your wife want to uh, join in on some of that fun and, and, uh, and, and be a part of it, um, then that's a great uh, thing as well. And, and don't take it so seriously. You know, I mean, you obviously have to focus and, and you have to pay attention to what you're doing and you have to work at it. Um, but, you know, if you hit or whiff a few bad shots, you know, laugh about it. Be, don't be afraid to laugh at yourself. I mean, God only knows we've all hit bad shots and even the best players in the world will tell you they've hit some pretty bad shots. And I mean some pretty bad ones. You don't even see them. 90% of the time on TV, but they've hit bad shots, but that's what you learn from. Um, so asking that important question, why you want to play there, and once you understand the why, then the rest of it starts to become a little bit easier because now you've got so, a, a direction to focus on. Um, the second tip is, uh, and I think this is extremely important, uh, we've talked about it many times, and Ashanta mentioned it, uh, Cindy, and that is to seek out a professional in your area. So, um, you know, there's many, many, um, in most demographics now, there's many, many golf professionals out there. Um, you want to arrange a time to meet with them, um, have some questions already prepared, you know, ask them about their credentials, what they've done, you know, are they certified, so on and so forth, and how they can help you get started. Uh, those are just some of the questions that you want to put together, and there's many, many more as well. But you want to get an idea and meet with them and find out really one of two things. Are they somebody that you get along with? Because that's important, right, Cindy? I mean, you've got to have a, be able to have a rapport and be able to communicate, and you want to ensure that they're listening to you and not just you know, going through a checklist. So what are your thoughts there about uh, connecting with a professional? Well, I think you should snoop them out online and mm -hmm. see if they're qualified if they've been through any training. And I think I would watch them possibly give a lesson. I would go interview them. I would get as much information as possible. What you need to know, um, again, there's four behavior styles, and high Ds are typically competitive and aggressive and don't want to practice a lot, and they want to learn quickly, always in a hurry. High Is want to have fun. So you might want, if you're a high I and you want to have a good time, you might want to find an instructor who's fun. High S's are steady and quiet, and they're going to want someone that talks a little slower to make sure you understand what you're supposed to be doing. And high C's are detail-oriented and going to ask a million questions. So you have to stop and say, okay, I might be a high I, and I talk a lot, and I hate focusing, and I don't like direction, but you might need an instructor who's a high C, which is the opposite behavior style as you, to make sure mm -hmm. that you understand everything you need to do. On the other hand, that high C might drive you crazy. So you've got to stop and right. say, okay, this is what I want to do. What's the best 
who's the best instructor for me, even though I may not be like that person. So I was attracted to my husband because he was so shy and quiet and had the perfect golf swing, and I knew he was really smart. So I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. ask this guy to marry you so you can get free lessons for life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, exactly. Which is what I did. Now, sometimes does he drive me nuts? Absolutely. But I know he's right. So if I had an instructor like me, we might drive each other crazy. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, you have to have a, a balance in anything in life, and, and you're exactly right. You know, if you're, if you're somewhat of an introvert, you know, you don't want to be matched up with somebody that's an introvert. And, and, I mean, obviously most people in golf are not, but there are some. There are some teaching professionals that are – I mean, I've had some on the shows over the years that are very, very quiet, and, you, I mean, you've got to really dig to get, you know, answers out of them. And they're just, they're shy. Now, they're very smart at what they do, but they're not, you know, um, loud talkers. They're very, very, you know, very quiet in their approach. And, you know, so you, you again, sometimes that opposite can, can work to your advantage. Sometimes it can work to a disadvantage. Um, another thing as well, and, and this is something we, we touched on in our conversation with Ashanta, and that is to, uh, and this is the tip uh, three, if you will, uh, create some realistic goals for yourself. And this is something once you've selected your instructor, uh, get them to help you work out, uh, you know, to set some realistic ones based on your current skill level. They're going to obviously uh, test you a little bit and, and see where you're at. And you want to set some realistic goals and a, and a, and a you know, a, a pattern, if you will, of, of things to work on. What are your thoughts there? Um, say it a different way. Give me, give me the question again. Well, you want to, you want to create as a player, uh, regardless of whether you're competitive or not, you want to have some realistic goals for yourself. And that's something that you're, you know, because most people, if they're new to the game, they don't know what to, to, to put together. So they're thinking, well, I want to shoot, you know, 80 in, in two weeks. Well, that's not realistic if you're somebody just taking up the game, if your skill level is not high. So this is something that your coach or your instructor, once you've chosen them, can help you put together a game plan, if you will. <clears throat> yeah, and and. So there's two parts to this. When you are a total beginner and you're just going to learn how to play, it's going to take you, depending on how much effort you put in, two to three years to really get comfortable um, with what you're doing. Now, if you practice all the time and you fall in love with it and become a student of the game, you can make that time, you know, get less and less and less. So you could really get better in a year. But what I would tell people and and this is after two weeks of boot camps, you know what? If you can learn to hit it clean, airborne, and somewhat straight on purpose, even if you have to use a tee in the middle of the fairway on the golf course, that would be the number one goal that you need to try to accomplish. Don't take big, huge swings and try to hit drivers really straight. If you can't hit it 50 yards in the air straight on purpose, start there. It will simplify everything and make the rest of your game much easier. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I'm going to sort of blow past this next tip because I don't think we need to spend a lot of time because I want to try and get the other ones, and I think they're a little bit more important. But there's going to come a point in time, um, tip number four, when you're ready to purchase some equipment. Um, You might have uh, an old hand-me-down set that can be adjusted or whatnot, um, and that's okay to start with until you're really committed and sure that you want to pursue this game. But when you are ready to purchase the equipment, you want to be sure to get properly fitted. Don't just buy off the rack. And this is something else, another area 
Um, whether they do it themselves or they are connected with a, 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 a club fitter, this is something your professional can help you with here. So that's, that's important, and, and Ashanta also mentioned that as well, is to make sure you're properly fitted. So um, I think we would both agree on that because, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's, all clubs are, are not created equal. So um, the fifth tap tip, it goes back to a point you made just a few moments ago, and that is give it time. Uh, golf is not an easy game, uh, but can be fun if you stay focused and are willing to commit. So talk a little bit about that. Uh Again, we just we talked about that. Stay focused. What are you working on? And, and I would tell you that if we were going to the PGA Tour event this week or the LPGA Tour event this week, and we had a microphone in our hand with a camera guy who said, hey, we're from the Golf Channel. We want to know what you're working on. We could walk up to every PGA or LPGA Tour player in the event that week, and they would have an answer. So everyone is working on something. So mm-hmm. you need to know what you're working on and keep it simple. Right. And, and that goes back to tip three. You know, when you've got some goals and there's specific goals, whether it be on the practice tee or out in the golf course, those are things that your, your coach or your instructor is going to help you work on and prepare. Um, so that could be part of your answer. Um, this one I know is going to sound a little scary to some people listening, but do your homework. Um, your coach or instructor is going to give you, uh, this is tip six, by the way, uh, will give you specific drills or things to work on. Make the time to do just that, especially if you want to see results. Cindy, how many times have we worked with students and, you know, we say this week, okay, here's some things we're going to work on, and then the next time they come to see us, maybe in a couple of weeks, well, I didn't get out to the range, I didn't work on that, I didn't work on this, I didn't have time for that, this, that, and the other, and it's like starting back, you know, from, from ground zero. Um, that's something we see often, well, that, unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be a waste of your time and energy if you don't work on what you just learned So, right. and money. So if you're not willing to practice what you just learned, then don't go in for the next lesson. Right. And, and it's better, you know, don't be afraid. If you've got a lesson scheduled, don't be afraid to reach out to your pro and say, look, you know, my schedule, work schedule or home schedule, whatever the case may be, has really been hectic this week. I can't, you know, I haven't had a chance to get out and work on some of the things we did last week or the previous week. Um, let's push it back uh, one more week. Um, I, I, you know, my schedule is a little clearer this week. I can get out and work on some of these things because you're right. You're wasting money. Uh, and, and I'll be quite honest. I'll be blunt. You're wasting my time as a professional if you're coming unprepared. Because if I've got to repeat last week or the previous week's lesson entirely over again and work on those same drills, then we might you know, touch on them a little bit in the beginning of the lesson, but I don't want to have to repeat, you know, another hour of the previous lesson just to get you refocused again. So, um, you know, do your homework. Um, if you're really wanting to, to become better at this game and see the results, then you've got to do just that. And if you're not prepared to do that, then you're never going to get better. And the last one, Cindy, tip seven, and I know there's many more that we could add, but uh, is practice and play with purpose. Set yourself a goal for that day. It doesn't necessarily have to be shooting a specific uh, score. Uh, it might be, um, you know, something as simple as I'm going to really focus on just swing with, with some rhythm today. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not getting a lot of thoughts in my head. I just want to get out there and I just want to swing smooth and easy. Whatever maybe something that you guys have been working on with a student, you know, you're going to give them a thought, if you will, and that's what they're going to focus on and just go out there and have fun. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Just have one small mission for the day and go have fun and enjoy yourself. It's a game. It needs yeah, to be and, played. 
Right, and don't worry about it. Don't worry, you know, after the third or fourth hole, if you had a, a few bad holes, don't sit there and, and, you know, let the wheels fall off the bus and, and beat up yourself for the next, uh, you know, uh, 14 or, or 13 or whatever the case is, holes, and, and then, you know, uh, not enjoy the day. Those are things that you can focus on after the round. You can then review what's going on, and those are things that you can make some notes along the way and, and take to your next um, session with your, with your coach or instructor and say, here's what happened last weekend when I was playing in a, in a round with some friends or what have you. Um, you know, it, it, let's talk about that. So save those for a discussion with your coach. And, but in the meantime, just go out and have fun and practice with a purpose. Get out there and don't just rake and hit balls on the, on the practice tee. And uh, don't get out in the golf course and just, you know, after two or three holes because you're not hitting it pure, uh, say to yourself, well, you know, this round's blown, so I'm just going to give up. Because if, if that were the case, every professional out the LPGA and PGA tour would never win a tournament. So um, I think those are some, some good starts to uh, beginners out there. I hope that we helped you a little bit. Any final closing thoughts, Cindy? Nope. Covered it all. I think we, I think we did. All right. Thank you again, everybody for tuning in. Thanks again to our special guest, Shanta Epps, uh, CEO founder of a perfect swing. Go to a perfect swing.net, uh, which is her website and you'll get all of her contact information there and find out a little bit more about the organization. And on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, thank you everybody for joining and listening to the women of golf. We will see you next week here. Uh, and actually one quick note next week, um, Mike Nichols, the chief business officer of the Smetra tour is going to be joining us to start off a, another great season on the Symmetra Tour. We're really, really excited. He's going to do the kickoff next week, and then we're going to start having our winners coming on uh, the weeks to follow. So we're really excited about getting a new season started there. So make sure you tune in next week here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.